Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to this week's Man of the Post Extra Time. I'm your host, Chris. Uh, with me this week, I've got Jared. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, grand. Thank you very much. We've got Jesse, Jesse, Jesse. That's me. That's you. First one of the season, yeah? Yeah, I had to miss all the ones where uh, Nunez misbehaved, so now we can only talk about good things. <laughs> and Okaiginu, it's Andy. Sky Scout, they're going to come on. That's no Sky Scout, come on. Okay, you do. It's Andy. Do you come from North Kilt Town? I'm not having this. This is standard. You you don't know what's going to happen when I get the Scots together because Adrian's walls, I mean, Adrian's walls already, no safe, but you know. You had your chance. I, I was there the other week, you had your chance. I, don't worry, I'll be I'll be adding you on to whatever tracking app it is, a sky scanner or something. I'll find you, don't you? Uh, Emma will be back in a couple of weeks, so I can go back on to sort of casual <laughs> Iberian racism. So that's fine. Uh, right. So uh, this week we're going to be talking about the Champions League. Uh, we're going to talk about the Premier League transfers that happened because it's only a week left till uh, the end of the transfer window. Um, and we're going to be talking about European leagues as well. So first of all, we're going to start off. Oh, Jesse, help. Uh, we're going to start off Monday night. Oh, Manchester United 2, Liverpool 1. Um, Jaden Sancho uh, wrong-footing James Milner and Alisson. Um, and Marcus Rashford uh, with his first goal since January before reply from Mo Salah. Uh, first win for Eric Ten Hag, first loss in 2022 for uh, Liverpool. Who saw this one? I saw it sort of as if uh, you were sort of watching a Dalek, uh, sort of hands behind eyes, hidden behind the sofa. I mean, look, we can pull a clap and blame the kids. We could. Hideous. We could. I mean, they, they were bad, weren't they? We were talking about these kits, weren't we? They, I mean, they were enough to give you a migraine. I mean, I, I already had a migraine, so they were definitely enough to make it worse. Yeah. What else can you blame? No one really played well. No, I don't think they did. We looked back and thought, like, <clears throat> was Bruno actually playing? Oh, right, he was, because he should have gotten a second yellow. So it's not like... Do you think? Yeah, I really, really do. Okay. You can't just decide. The that was the first yellow, wasn't it? No, that was the yeah. first, yeah, second one, at the end. Where the um, Salah goal, and he's trying to yeah. he won't give the ball. But to be fair, as someone pointed out, it's Manchester United's kickoff. Why should he give the ball back to the Liverpool player? Because he was being a dumb, dumb idiot and intentionally trying to keep it away and playing keep away like kindergartners in a schoolyard. He was. Which I know isn't like on page 17 of the referee book under D for dumb, dumb idiot. <laughs> but you 
do that. But if it's his kickoff, could he not claim he's got every right to go for the ball? I quite liked it. I did quite like it as well, actually. I would have liked it, but I mean, Bruno Fernandes is literally the most punchable player in the Premier League at the moment, so I, I, I can't, I'm sorry, I just can't abide it. Yeah, it's possible that I didn't like it because it was him. <clears throat> well, very, he always reminds me of Uda Hussain, so, you know, I'm sort of against him because of that anyway, but um, it didn't really work. I mean, I watched this in a pub full of Manchester United fans down on holiday. Uh, so that was a, an amazing experience, that was, outnumbered in my own local. Um, Manchester United only had 29% of the possession and they sort of, they dropped Shaw, Maguire and Ronaldo, uh, brought in Varane and Martinez, who were both excellent, given the sort of things people would say about Martinez. Um, and they were on it from the first kick. Does anyone remember the sort of the first 20 seconds or so when... Salah fell over and as he got up sort of Martinez bashed into him does anyone remember that bit and it sort of showed that they were up for it from the very very start no I don't remember that, that early. yeah Martinez I think this was and credit to Ten Hag I guess maybe Ugh, god that felt gross um, I think these were players who were out to prove themselves individually mm -hmm. and they did so you know, I am never going to say no to having to see Ronaldo pouting by himself on a bench. Um, but these, this definitely felt more like players having to fight for their spots and sort of the win was by accident than a team coming together. Yeah, there seemed to be something in the atmosphere, didn't there, Andy? Because there was the protest before the, about the Glazers pre-match. There was the... Um... Uh, Casemiro was there as well and then he announces these three sort of key players have dropped and brings in these other ones who sort of and they they were on it from the very first sort of sort of moments and then once you have an early shot or you have the sort of early barge on Salah like I said and the crowd get on your side and it, it felt kind of like their night didn't it from a very early I, stage I mean yeah I would I would say it probably was their night the reason I think you could probably say it was their night is that in the cold light of day, I don't necessarily think you can look at that performance and so on and say that will be the kind of performance that will propel United to a successful season. They play like that against other teams. I don't necessarily think they get the win. I think they've been lucky in that they've come up against a Liverpool who don't like using injuries as an excuse given the size of the squads that mm. you know some of these top Premier League teams have but you can't ignore the fact that they were missing some r relatively key players or at least players who could have made an impact off the bench United played quite well but as you said 29% possession you know how long are United fans going to be happy with a team that plays on the counter attack quite so much I, I don't know um but in terms of it being their night, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it, it felt like a kind of perfect storm for them to, because uh, under normal circumstances with how United have been playing, how we know Liverpool can play, um, this should have been a fairly comfortable Liverpool win. But yeah, United will take some um, momentum from it, I would imagine. But I, I don't think it's also going to take much for them to kind of drop back into the, the kind of mediocrity that I think 
many of us many of us expect they'll they'll have during the season. Okay, Jared, who are you blaming for this first goal? Uh, are you blaming James Milner, uh, Trent, Allison, uh, or Virgil Van Dijk? Or all of them are culpable in a particular way? I think all of them are definitely, but I think Van Dijk was the clearest one. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing just standing there. I mean, he had so much space he could have closed down and blocked the majority of the goal. He just stood there. Even Fernandez said, "Put it into the goal." <laughs> and he still didn't go cover it. But to be fair to Van Dijk, because I saw some criticism of this the next day, saying, "Why didn't he just dive in there?" Well, he'd just seen James Milner dive in there and sort of look a complete fool as uh, Sancho did that drag back didn't he so maybe he was trying to stay on his feet for that reason do you think yeah but it's not he doesn't have to dive in towards it I think it's more just like shuffling like even just a step or two steps closer Mm. then when he does put his leg out he covers more of the goal it's harder to score him but when he stayed that far back I mean he's just he almost just made himself useless to stand still yeah it's getting harder and harder to defend Trent, ironically, because he can't. Um, he was um, there was lots of sort of he was just jogging about in that right back area, wasn't he? Um, as the ball got played through to Sanchez, it was pretty poor from him. He wasn't at the races on that first goal at all. It, it feels to me like, given the injuries they've got at the moment, and maybe Trent doesn't want to play there. I appreciate that that, that what Trent offers Liverpool from from right back in terms of an attacking sense is is vital like to me with the, with the injuries they had and other options that I guess they could have played in defence and so on I'm I'm amazed he doesn't play more in midfield um, because as you said he's, he's getting exposed regularly at yeah. the moment and with the, with the passing ability he's got and the, the calmness on the ball that he normally kind of has and so on to me it seems a, a no brainer that when you're missing the likes of Thiago and so on you should play them there rather than start a central midfield of with all due respect James Milner and and Henderson yeah now I agree with you I think you know you're starting with a 36 year old James Milner I found it weird how Fabinho was starting on the bench but um I can see the argument like you said for putting Trent further forwards and then you can have maybe Joe Gomez at right back I guess we didn't the only other fit centre back we had was Nat Phillips so and he didn't have a great game against Palace so maybe that was why they didn't didn't do that on oh, the biggest winners of the evening um the Glazers because the the evening started with that protest didn't it um the school full of or the bus full of South African school children on the way to watch the game got um got smashed up um then United uh, United score um, their players signed this summer so they start playing well and then they wheel out Casemiro on the pitch at half time and then they beat their great rivals so if you're old Joel Glazer you're going to bed a happy man aren't you? Is this the worst thing possible that could have happened to Manchester United if you want the Glazers out beating Liverpool? Yes <laughs> yeah. I don't like that <laughs> It's the last thing he wanted to happen well, the club was complaining that he, if they protested, he should have got the three points. I think that was the point. If they protested, if the game, the game was called off, didn't he? Yeah, I think I think that might have actually helped because you know it distracted Liverpool a bit from from the game. Man United players are probably thinking we need to get a result if that's what the fans are going to be doing. Yeah. So it sort of probably spurred them on even more to think if our players start making us lose points, then. We've got to put something together. Hmm. 
Well, that was Monday. Uh, Tuesday happened only a day later. Uh, and there were Champions League qualifiers on Tuesday and Wednesday night. So, um, these are the second leg qualifiers. Um, Benfica 3, Dinamo Kiev 0. Uh, so, Benfica go 3 nil, uh, sorry, 5 in aggregate. Uh, Red Star Belgrade. Uh, I had an uncle who once played for Red Star Belgrade, if you're a Billy Bragg fan. Uh, they drew 2-2 in Maccabee Haifa. Uh, but Haifa go through 5-4 in aggregate. Victoria Pilsen 2, Karabag 1. That's 2-1 in aggregate. Dinamo Zagreb 4, Bodo Glimt uh, 1. So, Dinamo go through 4-2 in aggregate. Trabs on Spawn nil, uh, FC Copenhagen nil, so Copenhagen go through to the group stage, uh, two one on aggregate. Andy, have I forgotten anyone? Uh, possibly Rangers. Going through yeah. PSV Eindhoven. Yeah, they certainly did. They won one nil, didn't they? In Eindhoven. Yeah. So I can't remember what did you say last week? Did you were you confident last week after the game? Uh, if I remember right, I was fairly non-committal. Yeah. Um, I. I was aware of what Rangers were capable of in Europe. To be fair, most of that hasn't been away from home for the last couple of years. I think that's our first uh, away win in 11. Mm. I think away from home in Europe. Um, if I'm being completely honest, and I can afford to be completely honest now, given that we got through, it might have been different if we'd get put out, but we were maybe a little lucky. Um, Luke de Jong was, was inches away from getting onto one cross he then battered another cross uh, straight at John McLaughlin who to be fair was, was excellent throughout um, but in the second half much as much as we did against Dortmund last year I thought uh, Van Bronckhurst made the changes he needed to tactically and uh, by the last 15-20 minutes uh, PSV were, were reduced to pot shots from outside the area so eventually we were we were comfortable enough but I think in that first half I, I do wonder what would have happened if PSV had scored first I think you'll be a bit harsh on yourself I've only seen the highlights I thought Rangers started well and then like you say they came into it in the second half did um, uh, did PSV because like you said De Jong missed a couple of chances but you absolutely clattered the bar at nil nil, didn't you? I don't know who that was. Um, yeah, Tom Lawrence, uh, who yeah. signed on a, a free from from Derby. Um, oh, that Tom Lawrence. Yes. Right. Was, okay. Uh, well, we're going to so talk about car crashes in a bit. But it was a really good bit of play as well because he had three or four players around him and he just managed to manoeuvre enough space to to get the shot off, which, as you said, un unfortunately hit the bar. Um, the bar's still the rattling, I think. five minutes, we were decent um, without looking like we were going to create anything ourselves. We were really under the cosh for the first 10 minutes of the first half, okay, the first 10 minutes of the second half. and then, So, yeah, maybe being slightly uh, unfair to, to Rangers, but, I mean, again, it's just the fact that, you know, there was two or three really good PSV chances in that 10-minute mm. spell, leading up to half-time, which I think probably would have changed the tie. Uh, pretty substantial. Their manager would have put those chances away, wouldn't they? He would have. I'm quite impressed with um, what Van, uh, Van Nistelrooy has, has put out at, at PSV. They're, they're a decent team. Obviously, they've now got their own concerns that having failed to make Champions League, does that mean like Conor Gakbo uh, and players like that leave? But yeah, pleased to be through. He's a handsome man as well, isn't he? It's disgusting. I hate it. <laughs> uh, 
And and the the goal itself was the result of some excellent pressing as well, wasn't it? That was quite a. If you were if you're Van Bronckhorst, you're really happy with that goal, aren't you? Yeah. So so far, two things about that. One, it's it's another howler as far as I'm concerned from Walter Benitez. Uh, you know, I think in the, the cold light of day, PSV fans are probably looking at him as being the reason they're not. Mm. In the the group stage, but in terms of the pressing, yeah, there, there was a there's there, I've seen some relatively unfair. I don't want to call it criticism of uh, Antonio Cholak who, who scored the goal, but there's there's been a certain amount said about how he doesn't offer as much in, in terms of the all round game as like Alfredo Morelos does. Um, but as much as Tillman was the one who won the ball. Cholak was there to pick up the pieces on the end of it, again because he was so high up the pitch pressing so yeah Van Bronckhurst will be delighted to see to see that and, and will make it continue and will Alfredo Morelos be a Rangers player at the end of the transfer window I think he will um, whether he'll be there at the end of the season I don't know um, <clears throat> I have been I mean I, I, I accept that it's just kind of social media posts Mm. But I was kind of pleased to see him come out at the end of it and say, we've made the Champions League, this is my team, and song like that. And Van Bronckhurst seems like he's in a kind of reconciliatory mood. Um, maybe this will maybe this will give Morelos the kick he needs being in the Champions League. He knows that if he, he, he doesn't shape up, he doesn't play. Um, so I think he'll still be here at the end of the, the transfer window. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jesse and Jared, do either of you see this? I may or may not have tried to get an illegal stream, <gasps> which we're not going to tell my brother about, um, and it didn't work. So no. Oh. No. Okay. Just another reason I should move to Cornwall so I can watch European soccer. Yeah, you definitely should. Jared, did you see this? No, I didn't <clears throat> see this one. No. Okay, well, that led us to the uh, Champions League group draw on... Uh, Wednesday, so no Thursday. So I'm going to read out a load of team names and groups now. So there's just going to be a load of sort of names, but try and sort of keep in mind any groups that you've um, sort of seen that you might want to chat about. So uh, for any listeners who don't know, Group A is um, Ajax, Liverpool, Napoli, Rangers, uh, Rangers, Andy. Um, group B is Porto, Atleti, uh, Bayer and Club Brugge. Group uh, C is uh, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Inter and Victoria Pilsen. Um, D is Eintracht Frankfurt, Spurs, uh, Sporting and Marseille. Uh, group E is um, Milan, Chelsea, Salzburg, Dinamo. Uh, F is Real Madrid, uh, RB Leipzig, Shakhtar, Dinesk and Celtic. G is Manchester City, Sevilla, Borussia Dortmund and Copenhagen. And finally H is PSG, Juventus, Benfica and Maccabi Haifa. So, as we're in the same group together, let's talk about Group A, Andy. Ajax, Liverpool, Napoli, Rangers. Um, how did you feel when you saw your name get pulled out? Uh, I mean, the first thing was relief that we didn't end up in Group C. Um, uh, because, yeah. obviously, <laughs> for one of the last names to get pulled out. And it was getting closer and I'm like, ah, no, look... I mean, it would have been nice from a glamour point of view, but I did absolutely did not want to go into a group where we could potentially leave with no points. Um, so I was quite pleased from that regard. Obviously, we'd like to have avoided Liverpool at, at this stage, but Ajax and Napoli both feel like winnable games at Ibrox, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so relatively, relatively happy with the group, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jesse, what did you make of the Champions League draw? Should we? Add, we're still in this group. How do you feel about your group? Oh, how do I feel? Um, so nobody, nobody asked me that. I'm the I'm the, I'm the presenter. I don't know. We have feelings. Uh, um. <laughs> Yeah, I reckon Napoli's obviously going to be pretty tough. It's going to be hard to kick Kirsten's ass twice. Um, and Ajax away could be difficult. Like Andy says, Rangers away could be difficult as well. So I could see us maybe topping, but I could be I can see us maybe not topping the group till the last round of fixtures. I don't think we're going to have a sort of a game where we're sort of top with one game left to go. Um, I think we're going to be sort of battling for first or second place. Does that sound like, is that English think, arrogance, Andy? Well, I'm presuming we're no, at first or second. No, I, th- I think I think you'll comfortably win the group. If I'm being honest, I would be very happy to take <clears> one point from six uh, against Liverpool. The the thing about Ajax and Napoli for me is that they've both lost kind of key personnel over the summer. Now, obviously, Ajax yeah. have lost Ten Hag to Man United. They've lost. Um, who else did they lose? They lost. They lost Gravenberch to to Bayern. They could potentially lose oh, Anthony to Man United. Maslinka. The... They've obviously lost kind of Lorenzo Insigne and, yeah. and some other players like that. So... They could be gaining a Ronaldo. They couldn't they? Yeah. <sighs> I, I, I saw someone, a freelance journalist, had suggested that uh, Rangers had inquired about Cristiano Ronaldo. And my blood ran cold. <laughs> um, I do not care how good a goal scorer he is. I don't care what his record is in the Champions League. He is a player I want absolutely nowhere near my club. And thankfully, that seems to have been a just a pie in the sky rumor. Thankfully, but yeah, but it's yeah, keep him away from my club. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, Jared, you're a Bayern Munich fan. How would you reckon to your group? So uh, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Inter, and Victoria Pilsen. That's quite the group, isn't it? You'll be fine. You'll walk that one. Lewandowski will miss a few on purpose as a sort of thank you for old times' sakes. No, it was pretty sour how he left actually. Oh, was it? He'll be trying extra hard, will he? Yeah, he'll want to. He'll want to go. I think. But Bayern look really good this season. Hmm. Uh, they they look even better. I think just the fluidity and attack with 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 Mane with Mane. Although he sort of he's got the goal scoring ability but also he can interchange onto the wings which Lewandowski couldn't do mm. I think in the changing I've heard he he was sort of it, it, it was an odd character by the end sort of sat, like, a bit sour in the changing room of Lewandowski in there so I think actually this could be one of the best well a really good buying team and I wouldn't be surprised if they, they do quite well in the, the Champions League Who's going to qualify with you then? Is it going to be Barcelona, Inter, or Pilsen? See, Inter Milan team. I looked at them the other day, and they look really strong. Mm. But I can't see a place in a, a position in there, the starting eleven, which you would you'd swap for many other players. And then Barcelona, it does feel a bit too early in the in the Xavi um, Xavi style. So I wouldn't be surprised if Inter Milan pipped second place, but then Barcelona really need it because two mm. years about Champions League wouldn't be good. No. I'm you know, not here, but I feel like we have to we have to say something for Barca. It's going to be tough because they've got all those new players they need to gel, and it starts in 10 days' time or so, doesn't it? Maybe this is the way their players gel. Maybe, maybe they... Maybe they got rid of whatever 
Juju was... I don't know. Pretend Emma's here. Make her feel better. Well, I watched them last week. Didn't we watch the game against Real Sociedad at the weekend? Yeah. Yes. Um, they were. It was one-one, and they were sort of struggling very much to break Sociedad down until Ansu yeah. came on. But that's the problem with them, isn't it? Is that they always seem to need a spark mm. or a player, and you can't. You know, we saw that that led to Ansu Fati getting really almost career-ending injuries mm. you can't keep relying on a moment of magic to bring an entire team together um which seems to be the thing that they no matter who their their manager is the thing that they need they need inspiration coming from you know like divine inspiration coming from somewhere yeah or someone Yes, like you, say, you can't rely on the sort of Hollywood moments by one player every game, can you? Yeah. Uh, and you're in, yeah. you're in Spurs. They're in a group with Antwerp, Frankfurt, uh, Sporting and Marseille. What do you think to that one? Um, I think it'll be, I think this is like the most Spursy group that we could have wished for. Oh, really? <laughs> good and bad. Yeah, like, you know, it really just depends if we are feeling it which is so you know I'm I'm in like this very silly group chat with a whole bunch of of fellow Spurs sufferers mm. and every week it's like oh yeah we just decided not to play well this week <laughs> oh yeah Hurricane just decided not to show it just this is a group that we could either decide to fucking show up and run or just go to bits and it all depends on us and that's like the worst kind of group Spurs could ask for and I love it yeah the, some of these away fixtures you guys have got look like they could be quite tough right yeah <laughs> uh, okay so the British teams we've got um, Milan, Chelsea, Salzburg, Dinamo I don't have to say British anymore I think you've finally brexited the shit out of that and you have to say no, English I have to say British because there's another Scottish team coming up I, that's why I think you have to own English and Andy gets British Okay, well, I'm... Uh, but I mean, you feel free to take Celtic as well. Like, <laughs> yeah. I really, of all the teams Andy can talk about, I think Celtic's probably the one he doesn't want to. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Chelsea are playing uh, Milan, Salzburg and Dinamo. I mean, is, th is that fairly easy for Chelsea to get through that one? No, did we all see Chelsea go to pieces? We did. Can you see so them? Brian said mean things about my people. Now we get to say mean things about Ryan's people. <laughs> Can you see them finishing below uh, either Salzburg or Dinamo? Let's just say Milan qualify. Can you see them finishing below Salzburg or Dinamo? I could see Dinamo giving a bit of a... No, I can't see them finishing below, but I could see them having to work for it. I don't know. Help me say mean things about Chelsea. <laughs> well, I mean, the, 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 on the, 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 the podcast, well, it might have been about three weeks ago, Chris, you'll recall I rather controversially said that I thought Thomas Tuchel would be the first Premier League manager to leave this you did. season. Why well, I'm so um, glad back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I, I think Tuchel's uh, achievement in winning the Champions League with Chelsea was was terrific. I still think there's an element of that that was down to uh, Pep bottling it in the final, but mm. you can't take away from the fact that he got him in the Champions League final and he won it. 
since then, I've just not seen anything from from Chelsea or Tuchel that suggests to me that they're they're capable of, of uh, troubling the the last four of the Champions League again. And um, I, I don't I don't get the sense at the moment that from the players that they've signed, I think we, we talked about this last week. Raheem Sterling, I think, is a very good signing, but and it's some. Kind of similar to the, the issue I've got with Barcelona, actually, is that from the signings they've made this summer, I don't get the sense of what the Chelsea system mm. is going to be this season. Like Conte, I think Spurs are going to be fine because no matter what players they buy and so on, you know they've been bought because Conte knows exactly how they're going to fit into his system. I don't get that sense from from Chelsea. I think I think they'll get through the group just because. I don't expect Salzburg or or Dinamo to to really trouble them, but I think they'll finish a distant second to Milan. Okay, uh, and then Group G, Manchester City. How are they going to get on against Sevilla, Borussia Dortmund, and Copenhagen, Jared? They'll they'll be fine at the top of that one. Yeah, Borussia Borussia Dortmund don't look great at the moment, um, and then Sevilla. I'm not I'm not quite sure how they're they're playing but they they're usually pretty good in european competitions so i think i think man city will be far ahead in in that one and then second and third place will be tightly contested and, uh, and then finally um group f real madrid rb leipzig shakar dung next and celtic who can i go to about this one to talk about hmm let me think. <laughs> <laughs> That's so right. That's it. I'm, I'm no, Andy is a big Madridista. So, Andy, what do you think about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, I know about the Madrid team. Uh, oh, Real. No, uh, I mean, in all honesty, right, I'd, I like to think I'm somewhat, I can speak somewhat neutrally about football. And so, when it comes to Celtic, it's, it's funny, I, I've got two... Uh, two friends who are Celtic fans who are both convinced that based on last season and ba- based on Celtic's last few seasons that there's no chance they are, they're going anywhere in this group and I'm the one arguing that I think second place is, is up for grabs in this group and that Celtic based on what they could do at Parkhead could qualify because yeah. I actually think as much as I, I don't like Celtic I quite like the way Ange Postecoglou has his team playing football. It's a real high, but it's very, it's very Klopp-esque in terms of you know, real high uh, tempo, gag and press, intensity all over the pitch. He's bought players who fit into that system again, as, as I suggested earlier. You know that Maeda, who does score a lot of goals, but is a really good pressing forward and does a lot of the, the donkey work that allows like Kyogo Furuhashi to, to. Uh, you know, get his goals and so on. So, as long as Celtic don't take too many big beatings on the road, which has been the real issue for them in, in recent years, I think second place is is within their grasp. Okay, okay, right. We'll quickly talk about English teams or oh, British teams in the um, Conference League and the Europa League. So, Group A is Arsenal, PSV, Bodo, Glimt, and Zurich. Uh, are we confident Arsenal go through from that group? Yeah, they're, they're looking really good at the moment. Yeah. Uh, group E is... Oh, sorry, Andy. No, no, I was just I was just agreeing. Yeah, I think they'll, they'll comfortably talk that group. Okay, okay. Uh, group E is um, Manchester United, Real Sociedad, Sheriff and Ammonia. Ammonia? That's not a... Ammonia. 
Can't be ammonia. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that you're shopping. That's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I guess that um, they could well be okay in that group as well. Uh, no other English teams I can say. I mean, the Europa League group stage does look good fun. Same for the Conference League as well. Conference and the Europa League are always far more fun than the Champions League. Um, group A in the Europa Conference League. Got your Scottish klaxon there, Andy. Um, Istanbul, Bissekashir, Fiorentina, RFS, um, and Heart of Midlothian. Yeah, Hearts um, should have won against Zurich yesterday. They had enough chances in the first half to do so. Didn't, but so will be quite disappointed to be dropping into the conference. They could certainly have been handed an easier group. Yeah. Um, the other interesting team in that one are RFS because, of course, it was they only got through on account of a last-minute Winfield on goal. I think, oh, was that them? Yeah, that's them. Yeah. So um, let's talk about that then. Have you seen the footage from the game? I've I've seen the, the I've seen that kind of last thirty seconds where Winfield had a really good chance at one end to to bury it. It was four on one, wasn't it? Much better. It was four on one, and he put it straight. And it, it, I mean, the keeper could have, to, to use an old cliche, could have threw his cap on it, and he would have caught it. And then, yeah, on goal up the other end with the last kick of normal time. Yeah. So yeah, really unfortunate for them, but yeah, RFS will be will be pleased. Uh, and then also in Group B, it's West Ham, uh, and then it's uh, Football Club FCSB, then Andelect, then oh, they sound, I like the sound of these, Silkyborg of Denmark. Um, <laughs> I hope so. Uh, we'll wander a little bit away from uh, Britain, but we'll still stay in the British Isles because Group F is uh, uh, is Ghent, Molde, Shamrock Rovers, and Dernigans, Dernigans of Sweden. Um, who saw FC Vaduz? They are the first... Nobody. Uh, they're the <laughs> they are the first team from Liechtenstein to um, to qualify for a the group stage of a UEFA uh, tournament. But of course, they play in the Swiss League, don't they? They play in the Swiss top division, despite the fact they're from Liechtenstein. That's a nice little story. Um, what else have we got? Also, only, track... only oh. you would, would find that out. I, I saw quite a few of those actually. I saw quite a few people tweeting. That got me about ninety retweets, so I'm quite happy with that. Hashtag Come numbers. On, tell us, tell us what the link to the Oceanic Champions League is. Come on, they must have one. Ah, there must be somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard anybody else talk about the Oceanic Champions League uh, final on any podcast this week. I reckon me and you are pioneers on that one. I <laughs> again, just if they could get a more than one camera to film their games so I would feel a lot better about calling it a Champions League well I imagine when we start a Patreon we'll be able to fund your trip out to Oceania and you can be our man on the ground with a camera I'll, I'll do that I'll go, and, I'll go and watch uh, New Zealand win or, or whatever team it was what was their name again was it Auckland Auckland City wasn't it versus yeah, the 10th Champions Week and I'll be there in person to cheer them on yeah it was FC Venus at Tahiti Man on the ground. Man on the ground. <laughs> yeah, you could be like uh, Cammy with your finger in one ear, talking with your hand on the microphone in another, and <laughs> I, I, I look forward to the several minute delay and me telling you whether it was a red card or not in that game. That will that'll be that'll be great. Well, years ago we had James Montague on this podcast talking about thirty one nil. He's booked thirty one nil, and he said 
when he went to the when he went to American Samoa to watch them, it took him a week to fly out there. So that's just too, that's too much. Did you ever hear about Gaza and his mate? Um, Jimmy Fivebell is coming out to Italy. I think, I think I said this on the podcast last year. So when Gaza was in Lazio, he was getting a bit bored and lonely. So he said to Jimmy Fivebell, as his mate, would you come out and see me? So Jimmy said, yeah, fine. Gaza said, don't worry, I'll take care of the tickets. Um, I will get you over here, no problem. Uh, for a laugh, Gaza schedules the flights. So instead of making a direct flight from Newcastle to Rome, uh, Jimmy Fivebell is, um visits an airport on every continent and it took him a week to get to Italy. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> That's quite good. <laughs> uh, right, okay, let's talk about some transfers that happened. So we're talking, we're recording this on Friday. So Alexander Isak has just um, signed for Newcastle. So I, BBC News reported his stats. Um, Pharrell Sociedad, 44 goals in 132 appearances. Doesn't sound very prolific, but for those who watch. La Liga more than I do. Could someone say some nice things about him? Because he, he seems a far better player than that, doesn't he, Jesse? He's very good. He's a very good. He's very fast. And it probably, I mean, I think when you just look at goals scored, you don't get, obviously, not probably, such a dumb sentence that I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, you know, you don't get a picture of the selflessness of a player. Mm. Um, and he is the kind of player who will make the pass if it's going to lead to a goal. I mean, he's just—he's also young. He is, isn't so, he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which, you know, now I don't like him as much. <laughs> no, I don't like him as much. Now he's gone to Newcastle. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he's gone there, and as much as I obviously don't like what Newcastle have become, I do hope he does quite well. Um, no, yeah. Good career. Uh, looks like um, Chelsea and Leicester have agreed on a fee for Wesley Fofana so this evening. So that um, that transfer could well be going through. Other ones that have happened this week. So Nicolas Pepe has gone on loan from uh, Arsenal to Nice. Andy, you're an Arsenal fan. What do you make of that? Sorry, start on mute there. I was just about to launch into a big rant. And <laughs> he's, um, he's another one who's been blind lighted by the size of the transfer fee mm. Nicola Pepe was never a £72 million player but the, the market had gone so completely insane at that point that it felt like it was only ever going to happen for that kind of money he's, he's another one I, I, hate the, I hate the idea that league is seen as like some kind of farmers league but then you get players like Nicola Pepe coming over and, and doing as poorly as he has done you can maybe see why the accusation is levied against it sometimes you know he clearly didn't have the success that I, you know Eden Hazard or so on did but yeah I mean good luck to him back and he, he seems he seems a good enough guy I hope he finds his feet again because he clearly has some talent but yeah the, the Premier League will just swallow some players up and unfortunately that seems like what's happened here yeah uh, Deli Alley's gone on loan from Everton to Besiktas Jared um does he need a fresh start? Yeah, I just I'm not sure whether Besiktas is really the club the club he needs. I I feel like he's the sort of player he should go to the MLS, have have some really good have a really good season, enjoy the sun, and then he can he can kick on from there. But mm. I've I've spoken to a Besiktas fan and he's he's not even sure whether 
he's happy with Deli Alley at the moment. I think oh, really? they've got to see what he's like in a, in a few games. That's how far his stock has fallen, is it? Uh, the wonderful named uh, Samuel Untiti. Uh, he's gone from Barcelona to Lecce unknown. Um, Islam Slamani, remember him? Gone from Sporting to Brest on a free transfer, staying in that sort of region. Um, Lewis Graben has gone from Forest to Al Ahly uh, on a free transfer. Eric Bay has left Manchester United. He's gone to Marseille on loan. Um, Ken Strutman has left Marseille to go to General on loan. He was always perennially linked with uh, Manchester United till he got his leg done in, didn't he? Um, Ronnie Lopez has gone from Sevilla to Troyes. And Emerson, and remember Emerson, the fullback from Chelsea, he's gone to West Ham for £13 million. Pounds. That seems quite the um, the scoop for Chelsea to get some money for him. Uh, what else have we got? Bits and bobs of news. So, Jared, Cardiff uh, are going to play um, Aston Villa at the Cardiff City Stadium, I think in November, for a Peter Whittingham memorial game. Uh, he played for both clubs. He was 10 years at Cardiff. He died in 2020 after an injury at a hotel on Barry Island. Um, this summer, Cardiff retired the number seven shirt, which was worn by him. And all the proceeds for the game will go to the PW7 Foundation. Are you going to get yourself down there? Um, I might do actually. Yeah. I mean, they don't, there's not some there's not amazing teams going to Cardiff from the Premier from the Premier League, so no, they're not they're not doing so well at the moment. So I can't see them having a good cup run. All in a good course. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, to to see a game like that so close and. Exactly. Uh, Stoke have sat manager Michael O'Neill after uh, he won one, lost three and drew one of his first five league games this season. Um, he was appointed in November 2019. Stoke currently 21st. His stock has dropped a lot since he was uh, seen as the next big thing as Northern Ireland manager. I think he got to two. No, he got to Euro 2016, didn't he? Uh, and he's replaced by Alex Neal. He's off of Stoke. And you said, Andy, that... Um, he, the, the, he's Sunderland manager and Sunderland are currently filming the na- latest All or Nothing documentary so it should all be captured on there yeah I'm pretty certain I saw that somewhere today apologies if that turns out not to be the case but it, it would it would be very Sunderland for something like that to happen while we're <laughs> filming another series of that, that yeah. programme uh, speaking of TV and footballers has anyone watched the Figo documentary yet on Netflix I haven't I was hovering over it yesterday but I haven't watched it Okay, Jesse, are you aware of this? No, I didn't even know there was one. They've made a documentary all about his transfer from Barcelona to Real Madrid. You're aware he moved from one to the other, are you? Yes, yes, thank you. Yeah, sorry, you went silent. (laughs) He did what? (laughs) (laughs) Who is Figo? (laughs) What does he do? (laughs) Uh, Okay, what else? Figo is actually quite a good name for him. Who is Figo? For changing the name. <laughs> so we had some awards given out this week. Uh, men's Player of the Year is Karim Benzema. Women's Player of the Year is uh, Alexia Patelis or Patacious. Jesse, is that it? Uh, it depends. See, this is where Emma should be on because it's Patacious for me, mm. and it's however the way they say it wrongly in Spain. They, they say it the wrong way in Spain, don't they? They He's... do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, are both those awards well-deserved? Both those players? Um, I mean, I this is why I like, could never be the person who votes for this, because I think Alexia Puteas is... See? I say, you're welcome, Emma. Um, <laughs> is incredible incredible and so talented and because of her injury did not play at, like how do you I 
how do you compare her to some of her peers who played more and mm. differently? I don't know. Um, because Busler, so, Busler didn't win the Champions League this year either, did they? No, that's the thing. Yeah, so I just... Um, I don't know. Maybe it's like the former preschool teacher in me who just wants to give awards to everybody because it's <laughs> Great. Exactly. Uh, for the coaches and players of the year, also oh, coaches of the year, um, the men's team was men's one was won by Carla Ancelotti. Uh, the women's coach was Serena Weigman. I guess you can't really sort of argue against those, can you? Um, and it was the Asian Champions League semi-final East section this week. Did anybody watch this? Or was it just me? Probably just you. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I mean, literally, Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so it was Urara Reds of Japan versus uh, Jumbuk Motors of um, South Korea. Uh, it was 1-1 until about the 115th minute, maybe a bit later, when Jumbuk scored a second goal. They thought, brilliant, they're through. Uh, only for Urara Reds to score and equalise it. It went to penalty shootouts. Now, if you get a chance to watch the penalty shootouts from here, you, you definitely should, because... The game was played uh, at Urawa Stadium, and the fans were unbelievably good. They were um, uh, they were cheering and making noises throughout. Um, and when it came to the penalties, the you know the giant flags you have behind the Arsenal goals that wave when Arsenal score. Yeah. Um, you both know, you all know what I mean by that. You know that sort of the little ball boys waving the giant flags, don't you, after Arsenal score? Um, yeah. Well, imagine those flags, but doubled in size, and there's about a hundred of them behind the goal, all waving at once, trying to put off the opposition players in the penalty shootout. It was a magnificent sight, um, and it worked because uh, Ural Reds won three-one on penalties. Uh, Shusaka uh, Nishikawa, uh, the um, Ural Reds goalkeeper, he saved three of them. Um, the West final won't be played yet. Uh, it's not been played as yet, and it, the final won't be played until February over two legs. But um, I urge listeners and people on this pod to search out uh, the highlights of that game because it was an excellent game. Um, Jesse, there's been a car crash in Uruguay. <laughs> tell us about it. No, you tell us about it because I don't know. No. Tell us about it. I didn't know anything about it until about 20 minutes ago. So what happened in the car crash in Uruguay? So um, there two players um, from Cerro were driving to a match to play um, and they were driving on a dirt road when a truck was coming towards them and so they pulled over to the side and their car turned over twice um, and the match was delayed and because Uruguay is Uruguay um, as one of them was telling the story he said they were his um, teammate called somebody in town because everybody knows each other who came and helped them get out of the car and, and flip the car over um, but yesterday the match um, was replayed was rescheduled and when one of these two players um, scored for the, his team um, the two of them like flew into each other's arms and hugged each other and, and everybody um that was like the photo on the front page and when they interviewed them he said that he sort of hadn't realized how close to death they had come mm. together so i seem to remember dario silva having a car crash and having his leg amputated well, dario, yeah sorry i had lost part of his leg yeah yeah 
Should Uruguayan footballers be driving cars? Is the next sentence. The rules in Uruguay on driving are sort of like suggestions. <laughs> are they? Um, <laughs> they're not hard and fast. They're just sort they're of. They're like, yeah. Fair enough. Well, and actually, Diego Forlan um, is part of a charity on driving as well because his sister is paralyzed after a driving accident. Oh, okay. Maybe I should rethink getting in cars. Maybe yes, maybe you quite possibly should. Yeah. Um, right, okay. Let's move on to bits and bobs of uh, leagues in Europe. Jared, which league are you covering this month? You had an article out, haven't you? Yeah, doing the uh, the Bundesliga. The Bundesliga. Let's talk about the Bundesliga first then. So Bayern are top on nine points, and then all on seven are uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Union Berlin, and Mainz. So this weekend it is. Schalke versus Union, Mites versus Bayer Leverkusen, and Bayern Munich versus uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. So talk us through that top of the table clash then. Yeah, so at the moment, a lot of the teams, other than other than Bayern, sort of, sort of don't look very good. Bayern just look super strong. I mean, average of five goals in in all of your, the games, the three games is. It's just ridiculous. I know conceding one. Mm. Um, and Gladbach, they're always a pretty, pretty solid team, uh, and they can be a bit of a bogey team for Bayern. Um, they, they, like last season, I, I think they were the, one of the only teams to, to get a decent result against Bayern. I think they beat them six-one, maybe. Um, but other than other than that, I think and Gladbach need to try and get away from. The rest of the teams who aren't performing very well, like Dortmund, struggling. At the, they just they just look lost in there. They just uh, did. You, did anyone see the the late comeback? Uh, uh, yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, ridiculous to, to concede three goals in the last six minutes. Oh no, I didn't. Do you know what? No, I didn't. I I turned uh, my um, streaming channel of choice on at something like 87 minutes and saw the score and thought, well, Dortmund won this, so I'm going to find something else to watch. <laughs> Don't. Yeah. They were... They, it looked like one of those games where, even though they hadn't been the best team, that you just hold it out because th- there was not much goal threat. But they, they, the team just looked lost, lost. Like, half of them were pressing, but not really pressing that hard. And then the other half were defending in... A bank of four, two banks of four, hmm. and just were completely opened up by by Werder Bremen, who they played well in the game, but they didn't really have much of a spark other than at the end. And then as soon as they started concede, as, as soon as they were two all or two one down, they they thought, well, we we pushed even more players forward, and it's just a total collapse. And I don't, it just they just look they look a bit lost in their tactics, and I'm hmm. not quite sure. I mean, they 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 played in a four four two, and I think at the moment that's one of the the worst formations you can play against the the three five two that everyone's playing with. Go on, for thicko like me, why is it the worst? It's just got so much space, like in between the banks. So you have your, your flat back four, your flat four in midfield, and there's so much space in between that that no one knows who that they're picking up. It's not. It's not disciplined into them. So for Dortmund, they just had, Werder Bremen literally had two players, 
in between the defence and midfield. He got on the ball every time and no one knew who to press. So it just opened them up instantly. OK. Uh, where else have we got? In Spain, uh, these are all on six points. So Villarreal, Real Madrid, Real Betis and Osasuna. So this weekend is Betis versus Osasuna, Espanyol versus Real Madrid, Getafe versus uh, Villarreal. Jesse, you watching any of these? Yeah. Who are you looking forward to seeing? Um, I always love watching Betis. Yes. Um, they, I think, play a different style and have the best beard game. So it's a combo. Yeah. Um, and I, hmm, who else have we got? Did you say Getafe? Uh, Getafe, Villarreal, Espanyol, Real Madrid, and oh, Barcelona versus Valladolid as well. Versus who, Chris? <laughs> Vaja Dodgid. <laughs> <laughs> Valladolid. Um, I think. Um, actually, I don't think any of those would be boring. Um, I think at the beginning of the season, also, it's it's always fun to see who is going to sort of make a play mm. um, and um, yeah and I think we saw Sasuna last year sort of figure out who they are so I'm excited to see them as well okay uh, in Italy uh, Napoli are top on six points Roma and Juventus also have six the Inter four so it's Lazio versus Inter Juventus Roma Fiorentina Napoli uh, and finally in France, uh, PSG top on nine points, then it's Lons and Marseille both on seven. So this weekend, this weekend some pretty decent fixtures actually. So Lons play Rennes, um, PSG play Monaco, and it's a South Coast derby as Nice play Marseille. Where I think, can I remember, was there a bit of crowd trouble in this fixture last year? I think did someone from the crowd so throw something at one of the players and they retaliated and threw it back or something, did they? Was... Yeah, Demi, uh, Demi Payet. That was it, yeah. Um... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, there's there's always been a bit of needle in that one, so good worth tuning feisty. Yeah, good worth tuning into. Uh, right, the Premier League is uh, here this weekend as well. So Saturday, twelve thirty on BT Sport in the Danny Wallace Derby. It is um, Southampton versus Manchester United. Jared, uh, Manchester United going to be full of vim and vigor after their victory against Liverpool, or was that a one-off because of the opposition and they're going to regress back to what we've seen the first two games? I think you you've got to be beating Southampton, especially after after that result. But this is this is the real test for for Ten Hag. Can he actually string more than the the one the one big match where your players are all excited to be playing against a big team? And now you've got to go away game, early kick off. Mm. Uh, this is this is where it's got to win. One hog. Was that sorry? If he loses tomorrow, can we call him Eric Wanhog? <laughs> no, I, I I really want him to do well. Just do you? Because he's he's done he's done well at Ajax. I want him to, to to get a few good results and see see how his team looks. How about if he fails miserably at Manchester United, goes somewhere else and does really well? Would you take that? Uh, I just I just I just like seeing <laughs> seeing a different style of managers. Yeah. Well in the Premier League. Thank you, Fair enough. Um, Jesse and Andy, how's this one going to go? Do you think? I, I mean, I would expect 
United maybe just to have too much, but again, it's, it's away from home. Southampton had a very good result last weekend, winning uh, 2-1 against Leicester at the King Power. Mm. Um, I think Che Adams has started the season pretty well for them. He'll maybe fancy scoring. Um, but yeah, maybe United by the odd goal. I like Che Adams. There's something about him as a player I quite like. Yeah, he's been. He's been. He's. Uh, I was really pleased when he, he started. When he kind of nationalised and and started playing for Scotland, he's been. He's been pretty good for us. So yeah, he's a good player. Jesse, should more players be called Che? Yes. <laughs> uh, how are they going to get on this weekend, United or Che Adams? Who's going to be the winner? Um, I would like to see Southampton do well, and I again, I would also like to see United not do well. I'm sorry, Jared. <laughs> Oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> I know. These two are still injured, so I, I don't even have an Uruguayan in the lineup. Oh, um, would, can I would just he be say, playing, uh... Sorry, go on, Andy. Sorry, I was just going to say, I, I, I'm going to back up Jared on this one just because I really dislike this idea that if a, a manager comes in from a foreign country and doesn't immediately set the heather on fire, then he's, he's a failure. You were just talking about Villarreal. It's long past time that you know England, English media should be putting some respect on Unai Emery's name. Mm. Uh, and yeah, for that reason, I would also quite—I mean, I don't get me wrong—I don't want to see Man United win the league, but I would like to see Ten Hag succeed there because I feel like there's people already, your Mersons and your so on, kind of ready to write him off because he's a foreigner. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. Minus oh, two can give up Ronaldo and Ryan Giggs. Ten Hag can do beautifully, but I need the two of the, the you know, I need the other two to just film miserably. Okay. Uh, just for clarification, Jared, when he says set the heather on fire, that's a plant, not a person. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, depends yeah. how much heather annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, three o'clock, the three o'clock games. Don't we like the the plant? Don't we like? Why are we setting the heather on fire? I'm I'm sure there's some ancient historical Scottish reason for it, but I'd have to ask somebody else for that. Highland clearances. That's what it was probably. Great <laughs> 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 space for sheep. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Three o'clock kickoffs. Uh, Brentford versus Everton. The Jake Bidwell derby. Um, Everton are—they uh, were trying to talk someone into coming to them today, and I can't remember who it was. He's—he's he's joined. That's Neil Mopé from That's it. Uh, Brighton. Yeah, he's gone, is he? Yes. Um, yeah, the the pictures are out there of him signing the contract, and he's Everton shot and so on. So yeah, that's a that's a done deal. Uh, uh, can someone try and conceive of a world where they'd want to leave Graham Potter and join Frank Lampard? Can anyone help with that? I'm trying to conceive of a world where anybody would want to sign Neil Mopé, but that's because I think he's a wee arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like him. Uh, him and Trossard are both, I think they're both very good players, but I just don't think they, they're natural finishers. No, I, I think Mopé's record is something like one every four and a half games. So, I mean, Everton, uh, I'm not entirely sure why they <gasps> don't. I can't imagine to see him as the out-and-out replacement for Charleston, but... I know why you don't like him. 
Because he winds up Arsenal. Because he had a fight with with, with um, <laughs> Matteo Guendouzi and Bert Leno oh, thought he hurt his leg or something, didn't he? Didn't he? Mind so much, but I, 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 I just don't like him. He's a, <laughs> a wee. It's why they wee nippy players. That it's like again, like Fernandez. He's he's why they players you would punch if you put him in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesse and Jared, what do you reckon to Brentford Everton then? Brentford know what they're doing mm. and don't get rattled easily. And I, going back to what Andy said about Chelsea, I don't. I have no idea who Everton are right now. They just look like they're trying to sort of hoard players, and they'll figure it out later. And I don't see that working for them. You think that, that, that you think that they sort of sold. Richarlison and got and sort of sent Deli Alley out on loan, and they're getting a striker they know is available rather than the fact they've been tracking Neil Mope for some months and he's one they've had their eye on. Do you think? I mean, and if that's the case, then great, but I think it's also hard to sign a player one day and put him out the next day and expect that to be cohesive. Hmm. Uh, Jared, what do you reckon to this game? I think. I think Brentford are a pretty solid, solid side, especially at home. Uh, it's, it's always quite difficult to get to get a win against them, so I think I think Brentford will get the winner. Yeah, and what about Brighton versus Leeds in the Andy Ritchie derby at three o'clock? What do you reckon to that one? Um, I think that that'll be a pretty, pretty decent game. It's it's one of those where it could be super high scoring, or it could be just a one nil, a one nil win for one of the teams. I think Leeds. I would be leaning towards to get the win. Yeah. Um, but I, I can put my finger on what the score would be. Both these on seven points, Jesse. Um, Brighton fifth and Leeds third. Yeah. And you know I'm a huge Brighton fan. Yeah, so you're going to be going for the Brighton, are you? Well, I have the opposite problem of what Andy was saying about... Um, foreign managers is that whenever you watch now Leeds here the commentators are so it, it's like America has invented <laughs> football and American players and therefore not Leeds fault but now I have to hate them a little because it makes me nauseous like if I have to hear Tyler Adams name or Captain America one more time <laughs> will throw something oh no you've had to put it with things like that have you oh it's hot it's like yeah it started with christian pulisic and then what's his face sergeant just sergeant now now it's like leeds is the u.s men's national team oh have you seen that when josh sergeant scores for norwich they play born in the usa um and um did you see how justin reply on twitter no, I didn't. He said, this isn't the sort of song you think it's... This isn't the, this song isn't about what you think it's about. Not the player you think it is. Yeah, but Leeds played so well last time, but I I put on this... Even the Spanish channels were, like, going crazy as if, you know, somehow the US was going to win some sort of medal on behalf of Leeds. Yeah. Uh, Andy, do you want to talk about Brighton Leeds or do you want to talk about how good a player Andy Ritchie was? Oh, Andy Ritchie was all right. Paul Scholes' his favourite player. Really? Yeah. Oh, they, I suppose they share certain physical similarities. Yeah. I'm not going to say what. <laughs> but, um, 
No, Andy Ritchie was was these but the, the thing I find funniest about Andy Ritchie was that there used to be a Scottish football panel program, and there was a guy on it called Tony Roper who used to be in something called Only an Excuse, which you might have got down south. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but I just remember him saying, uh, "I I was a big fan of Andy Ritchie. I was a, a bigger fan of his brother Mabosa because the point was Mabosa <laughs> Ritchie." <laughs> As, <laughs> That, that's that's really the only thing I really properly remember about Andy Ritchie. By the way, I'm going for Brighton in this game. Brighton had a really good result against uh, West Ham. All right. Oh, what about Chelsea? Uh, so, what about Chelsea versus Leicester? The Muzzy Is It derby. That's another player, wasn't he? Muzzy Is It. It was. I, I Chelsea just because I, we, we've talked about it several times on this. Just in terms of teams lacking identity at the moment. Leicester kind of feel like they're falling into that. Mm. I think Leicester's starting 11 is very good. The minute you get outside that 11, I think they're really struggling. The fact they've not brought anyone in is, is a big issue. Uh, and so, yeah, I'll, I'll go Chelsea. Well, someone, Jesse, has said that it's a must-win game for both teams. Therefore, it's a must-win game for Wesley Fofana, for whichever team he's playing for. Um, <laughs> apparently, in the Carabao Cup this week, uh, Leicester fans were starting to turn on Brendan a little bit, singing, you don't know what you're doing. Um is his time there coming towards its sort of conclusion, Jesse? Um, I don't know. As much as I probably should on a number of managers, I also feel like we should give them more time. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe not. T- maybe time and loyalty. Um, because if they're constantly thinking that they're going to be fired, then they're going to play scared. Yeah. Okay, Jared. Yeah, I, I, I think he, he he'll go this season. I, he, it's all. I don't know if there's something behind the scenes that they're saying you can't, you can't really spend money, and we need to to invest. But it just looks like the club's selling on what they're the crop of players they had and they're going to try and rebuild and I don't know whether he'll, he'll stay around for that I mean they've got that shiny new um, training facility haven't they I guess that must need paying for um, quite possibly Yeah, maybe that's got something to do with it uh, Liverpool Bournemouth and the Jamie Redknapp derby um, Jesse how do you think this one's going to get Liverpool please are Liverpool going to get their win I, Chris do you want to say it no I'm not saying it jeez you're going to be fine <laughs> not all your players Yes, you are. If you don't play in those horrible kits, you are. All your players are going to be so embarrassed or whatever the, the the adjective is from losing so terribly that everybody's going to come out on the front foot. Mm-hmm. And it's Burnmouth. You're going to be so fine. You think we'll score one and then the floodgates will open? Yes. Yeah. And I think Mo Salah is going to be so upset that he's going to have to score, like, five. Oh. Just to make himself feel better. Five. Jared, should I be triple captain in Mo? I think I need to put him in. Yeah. Is she right to have this optimism? Um, I definitely I definitely think once once the first goal goes in, it could, could get ugly for Bournemouth, especially at home. But I think Bournemouth, if they get... The first goal, it could, it could, it could go, go south or Liverpool. But e- even then, you sort of see him getting a two-one win, 
with a, with a late winner and turning it around. Oh, that's not going to happen, is it, Andy? That sounds very pessimistic. I don't want to look forward to an afternoon of that. No, I, I appreciate that Arsenal started the season very well, but they made Bournemouth look ve- worse than average last week. Yeah. Um, without really having to go out a second gear, I think Liverpool will be fine in this one. Okay, and what about Man City uh, versus Crystal Palace in the Mark Kennedy derby, Andy? What do you reckon? Uh, I think City, but I think it will be close. Been quite impressed with Palace's start to the season. I think Vieira is is building something potentially pretty special there. Yeah. Um, we're very comfortable against Villa last week. Um, so I think it will be City, but it will be by no more than than two, maybe just one goal in it. Palace have got a fairly good record at uh, Man City, from what I remember. I remember Andros Townsend getting goal of the season there not so long ago. And did they do well last season? I can't remember. Can't remember. Hmm. Um, Jared, what do you reckon? I reckon. I reckon City. City will have it. Have a. It, it will be. It'll be one of those where it's a lot of possession for City. It, Palace will have a few counter-attacks, but I still I still see City winning this one. Yeah. Oh, I was right, Jesse. Crystal Palace won here last season, 2-0. Okay, but you're still going to be fine. You still should say it. No, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else have we got? We've got oh, uh, 17.30. Oh, sorry, half past five on Sky is Arsenal versus Fulham in the Morris Fultz derby. Uh, you're a gooner, Andy. Chest out, shoulders back. Deep breath, looking to go around now. I'll say it if you don't say it. Yeah, if you're not going to say it, what's the what's the deal here? I'm not saying it. Well, um, Arsenal are on a really good run. I mean, literally nothing can go wrong for them. This is a great run they're on. Ben White versus Mitro. Yeah, I, I mean, Ben White is, is obviously at the moment playing right back, so it might be less him. Oh, OK. Uh, versus Mitro. But yeah, I mean, Mitrovic will cause a lot of teams problems this season. It does feel like... Arsenal have got a little bit more rigidity hmm. uh, at the back this season. Arsenal should be okay in this one, but um, I, I think Fulham will give them Fulham will give them a game. But I would expect Arsenal to win by a couple. Yeah, Jared. Yeah, I'd expect um, Arsenal to, Arsenal to win this one. Fulham, like said, I mean, Mitrovic is is looking all right. Aerially, I'm not sure. Us at the back if they're that they're that strong and set pieces I'm not sure either. Um, but this is this is the sort of game I could see Arsenal slipping up on. They're just one of those teams that they can slip off on these sort of sort of matches. But I, I think they should be fine with the runner form they're on. Yeah, Jesse. Yeah, I agree. I think Arsenal take this one. Okay, uh, Sunday, uh, two o'clock. West Ham versus, oh, sorry, Aston Villa versus West Ham and the David Cameron derby. Um, because he claimed to be a West Ham fan, and then sorry, he claimed to be a Villa fan, didn't he? And then he said he was a West Ham fan. I think he got his clarets confused. Um, Villa haven't started particularly well, and then neither really have uh, West Ham. West Ham are bottom, uh, null point so far. West West Ham will come good. This could be the game where it starts. I, I feel like I'm probably just being entirely biased against Steven Gerrard <laughs> at this point. After honest, all he did for you. 
I, again, I just feel like it, I, I could already start to see the writing on the wall at Rangers before Villa came in for him. I, I think they, they got an initial bounce when he came in last season, but I think this season I've, I've actually seen Villa fans kind of get at the point that I made about Steven Gerrard, which is that when plan A doesn't work, it doesn't have a plan B. Mm. Um, and so if West Ham can get in early here and get settled... Uh, I think I think they might nick this one. I'll, I'll go West Ham by a goal. Um, apparently, West Ham have reached a, a verbal agreement with Leon for um, Lucas Paqueta. Very good player, Paqueta. Um, I'm, I'm a little surprised. I think we might have touched on this last week that Newcastle didn't uh, look to stick a bid in for him and reunite him with uh, Bruno, but. Yeah, that that's a that's a very that's potentially a very good signing for them. Yeah, uh, Jesse, what do you reckon to this game? Um, I don't know because I just got an update that Martin Cáceres signed for LA, and so I think I have to move. <laughs> very distracted. And I'm very sorry, but I think whatever Andy said was probably correct and brilliant. Oh, okay. Um, Jared. Yeah, I got. I got no clue. These these are two sides which I, I still don't know what what their sort of their their performance and their quality is. Uh, I'm just gonna I'll just stay say a draw. Okay, uh, two o'clock on Sky is Wolves versus Newcastle, the Chimuriket Spire Derby. He was a nice little bold headed psycho, wasn't he? So let's go to our own Andy. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said. Um. Yeah, Newcastle to me feel like they're really starting to build some some proper momentum. I think Isaac, even though he, well, I suppose he could feature on Sunday, given he played he's played for well, so should that so far this season. Um, good timing as well, given the Callum Wilson injury. Um, I think they're riding all the momentum in this one. Wills have been slightly better than I thought they would be this season. To be honest, they've they've put in better performances. But I'll go Newcastle again by a by an odd goal. Okay, Jared, a Callum Wilson injury is a Coventry fan. That must be a huge surprise for you. Yeah, I mean he, he rarely gets injured, so <laughs> I'm I'm surprised at this. Um, <laughs> How do you reckon it's going to go? But I th- I think Newcastle Newcastle will win this. Isak, like like we've mentioned enough, he's he's perfectly what they needed. Someone fast up front. Chris Wood is just too slow to to help with. Alan said maximum so I th- yeah I think Newcastle look really good and they'll do well yeah Jesse. I was listening this time you were listening go on tell us what you think yeah um, and annoyingly I agree not annoyed that I agree because these guys are great I just don't want necessarily Newcastle to win but I um, I think Isak will come in on that sort of charge that new players yeah. tend to have Okay, uh, and finally, half past four on Sky is Nottingham Forest versus Spurs, the Teddy Sheringham derby. Um, Andy, you wear the Teddy Sheringham anagram? I feel like I should be, but I'm not. But an anagram of Teddy Sheringham oh is going to be bad. Sorry, if you're saying it, it's going to be something bad or weird or gross. I'm sure I've said this before. <laughs> an anagram of Teddy Sheringham is um, he'd shag dirty men. There you go. See, not surprised. Hey, <laughs> look, uh, every man to themselves. If, they, if that's what they want to do, 
more power to them. Well, you know yeah, that... If um, sensual, then we're not going to shame anyone. That's true. You know that Tony Blair MP was an anagram of I'm Tory Plan B. And look how that worked out. I think he's Tory Plan A at the moment, but never mind that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not, I, I kind of get political in these things. Stop no. me. <laughs> Hear me mention anything political, just tell me to shut up. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, go on, what do you reckon to, to this game, Forest versus Spurs? 19 yeah. players sorry i was just going to say sorry serge aurier could be signing uh which would be forest's 19th signing sorry i just wanted to to mention that sorry come karen oh, we give him away cool bye <laughs> <laughs> go on andy sorry uh yeah spurs comfortably i think uh, like i said i think um cooper will probably see not in the forest all right this season mm. i actually think although they have bought a lot of players they've bought quite well um but spurs i think are another team who are potentially on the verge of something quite special this season. Um, so, yeah, Spurs to win this one. OK, Jared, uh, Chris Sutton has predicted a 5-0 win for Spurs. That's going to make Jesse happy, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about 5-0, but I could definitely I definitely see Tottenham winning this. Uh, Nottingham Forest, they've got loads of players in. I think their results are going to vary throughout this season they might get a few good ones but I think they'll be they'll be around the relegation zone but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they make out of all the, the other teams in the league yeah um, Jesse you're going to win 5 nil according to Chris Sutton chest out shoulders back nope don't, 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 don't. you're not going to do it no oh, okay go on how do you think the game's going to go I think the most I can ask for this season is for Betancourt not to get injured and that's it hang on please and thank you okay bear with me no oh, no you know right what are we known for we get points when it's least expected no Tomorrow sorry we can very easily see us doing something really really dumb like Tomorrow is when Hugo will decide to come out and and pretend he's a forward. I just counted. They've they've released. They've signed eighteen players and released twenty one or sold twenty one of Forest. Are you making me do math? No, no. I'm just. I'm telling you. Uh, I, I was counting up as I was um, as I was talking to you there. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, so they've signed all these players, but I think as we sort of touched on a little bit last week, Andy, they've had um, they've had quite the turnaround uh, looking at this. So it's literally an entire new squad. I'd, I'd really like. I'm going to be keen to see the contrast this season between Bournemouth and Fulham, who maybe haven't bought a huge amount, or are hoping that the squads they built in the Championship are enough, mm. and mm. Forest, who clearly felt that they're. I mean, I think the general consensus is, isn't it, that Nottingham Forest were kind of in a derby under Billy Davis situation where they get promoted much earlier in their plan than they'd anticipated, and that's why they've gone and spent quite so big in an attempt to stay up. Uh, just the two intri- the two approaches will be quite interesting to see how they how they fare. Hmm. What's Billy Davis doing now? I have no idea. I was going to say something really nasty. I can't do it. I can't mock the poor guy. He's, he's had his troubles. I was, so I'm, I'm just going to shut up. Has he? I, think, I wasn't aware. Sorry. No. I thought he'd... I, I just remember him being at Forest a couple of times, and then that's it. I don't remember him being... Co- he was, coach. yeah. 
But um, yeah, he has had some some personal demons over oh. the last few years, I believe. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. What he's up to at the moment. Uh, right. Okay. So that brings us to the end of our Premier League roundup. Any other business from anybody? Can I just make a quick recommendation? Uh, there is a there is a YouTube channel called Secret Base, mm-hmm. which mainly focuses on American sports. And as a result, they put out a piece which I think I went to in, in Twitter earlier in the week about Freddie Adu. Oh, okay. Um, and it's really interesting. It's I, I hadn't realised quite how much pressure. Yeah. Both mm-hmm. America as a whole and Major League Soccer had put on a 14-year-old boy, and it's, it's really quite eye-opening to see just how quickly he was discarded, despite being such a young age, when it became clear that he wasn't going to be the next Pele. Um, it could have still been a, an exceptional player, but it was it's very clear that as soon as MLS realised that wasn't what he was, he was, he was kind of thrown to the side. It's, it's really... The, it's, it's a credit to Freddie Adu that he seems to have turned out the, the relatively well-balanced individual he is because it sounds like for a 14-year-old boy uh, that, that seems to me like no life to live. So Secret Base and it's about Freddie Adu and oh, you find okay. that on YouTube. It's really, it's really interesting. Well, that's Yeah, that's really interesting because I... Um... I've listened to the, I think it's like a six or eight part podcast series uh, on Freddie Adu, and it fe- it's by Grant Wall, but it features Freddie Adu on it. It interviews him and quite a lot of his former teammates as well, so I'll, I'll check that out. Jesse, yeah, was, you obviously remember him, don't you? You've listened to both of those, yeah, have you? Yeah, I was actually, no, I would like to listen to both of those. I was at his first match. I'm only a little bit older than him, so I remember like being a kid, watching this kid, and it was even then you were sort of aware that you were watching like child labor mm-hmm. um and it um i i'm sure there were like racial aspects at play as well because there were other players who were also super young eddie gavin comes to mind um as well who really didn't get the same sort of um aftermath like you know discarding mm. he did but the pressure was amazing like astounding um as andy said they really did tout him as the next pele which racially not great <laughs> no uh well i can recommend something i'm reading a book about jose Mourinho's time at uh, real madrid by diego torres um I am reading it at night and doing little sort of a little Twitter thread on some of the findings that I have because it's absolutely wild some of the things um, that are sort of occurring there. Um, I recommend reading that. Jared, you've got an article out, haven't you? Yeah, it was on the um, Borussia Dortmund match and uh, the late comeback for Third Brain. But I've also got um, in the monthly piece or the monthly magazine for Total Football Analysis. I've got Syria um, looking at their season and their, their uh, hopes of winning the Scudetto. Okay, brilliant. We'll keep an eye out for that then. Uh, Jesse, you got anything to plug? We've all plugged something now. It's your turn. I plug all of you. You're brilliant and everybody should follow you all. Oh, good. Well, okay, well, look, we're Man of the Post, part of the Man of the Post Network, so you can follow us at Man of the Post on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, you can subscribe from your favourite uh, podcast of choice uh, or podcast app of choice. And if you subscribe or follow, all your future episodes will fall automatically into your inbox. We very gratefully 
uh, or very grateful for any uh, good reviews that come our way. Um, Ali and Dave and I reckon Carl again, because Simon I think is still unavailable. He, uh, they'll all be back on Sunday, straight Monday to review the the games that we've been previewing. Um, Andy, if they want to follow you, how do they do that on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Sike Tyson. Okay, Jared, if they want to follow you, how do they do that? At Gazenda S A G U Z E N D A. Okay, and Jesse, how do they follow you? They can follow me at Jesse Loesch, or how can they follow you? They can follow me uh, at Unusual Efforts, can't they? Oh, damn it. Thank you. <laughs> Brilliant. Right, guys, thank you ever so much, and always remember to keep your man on the post. Mm-hmm.